0: welcome to New York Attention fans, this, this is this the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind Podcast. 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 Brought, Brought to, you to you by the, by the Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Now, now here's your, here's host, your host, host, Neil Villapiano.
1: Shout out to SeatGeek for sponsoring the Devil's State of Mind Podcast. I recently became a brand ambassador For them. SeatGeek is a ticket app that takes the confusion out of buying tickets. They out a 0 to 10 score on each ticket to know if you're getting a good or bad deal. Green means good and red means bad. Plus, my listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase with my promo code State OF MIND. Again, my promo code is State OF MIND. Click the link in our social medias on our link tree to download the app and remember to use our promo code Devil State of Mind. Click the link in my profile slash description of anything that I have. I'll have it on all of my links. And once again, shout out to SeatGeek for being the official ticketing app of the Devil State of Mind podcast. A big shout out. To our sponsors at Horns and Tail Napa Valley. Horns and Tail Napa Valley is the official wine club of the New Jersey Devils and a proud sponsor of the Devils State of Mind podcast, allowing them to bring together two passions, hockey and wine, in an exciting and memorable way. They offer premium, limited production Napa Valley wines. They also have gift options for Devils fans. Their wine club offers a wide range of gift options, including individual bottles curated gift sets and exclusive merchandise providing the perfect present for any occasion. Every bottle was created by the team with their winery to honor the history and celebrate the success of the team. Their winery has worked closely with the team to create wines that embody the spirit and achievements of the New Jersey Devils, allowing fans to savor the memories and celebrate their team. Plus, Every purchase helps support the Devils Youth Foundation. And if you want to get yourself a bottle of this delicious Devils wine, you go to, Napa, to Horns and Tail Napa Valley. Use my promo code at checkout, devilstate State, and you can get 10% off your purchases. So once again, shout out to Horns and Tail Napa Valley for being the official wine sponsor of the New Jersey Devils. And... Devil's State of Mind podcast. And what is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your host, your best friend, your confidant, your number one source, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as Sportswire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your New Jersey Devils. As always, guys, I hope you are having a fantastic day wherever you are listening to this podcast episode. And thank you so much for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. You already know that I greatly appreciate it. And a big shout out and thank you to our sponsors over at DraftKings Sportsbook for being the official sports betting partner of the Hockey Podcast Network. And with Major League Baseball's second half of the season underway, even though we just wrapped up Wimbledon, there will still be other major tennis tournaments going on, golf, WNBA, NBA Summer League, and so much more. With all of that, you already know the DraftKings Sportsbook is your number one place to get in on all of the huge cash prizes. So if you want to get in on this action, go to DraftKings Sportsbook, sign up, use our promo code THPN, again THPN, and don't forget to tell them that your boy, Neil Villapiano, sent you. And as always, a big thank you and shout out to our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook for sponsoring the Hockey Podcast Network as well as the Devil State of Mind Podcast. Also, shout out to SeatGeek. And Devils fans, if you want the, the best price tickets and get the, the best bang for your buck, go to SeatGeek right now, sign up, and when you check out, make sure to use my promo code Devils State of Mind to get $20 off your first purchase. Again, Devil's State of Mind to get $20 off your first purchase. They do a tremendous job over there making sure that you get the best value for any tickets for 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 any tickets for concerts or sporting events or anything like that. So shout out to SeatGeek for being the official ticketing sponsor of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. And lastly, shout out to Horns and Tail Napa Valley, the official wine club of your New Jersey Devils and the official wine sponsor of the Devil State of Mind podcast. And if you want the best tasting wine out there and wine bottles that are designed specifically for diehard Devils fans, use my promo code at checkout Devil State to get 10% off your orders. Again, promo code Devil State. So shout out to Haunted Tail Napa Valley again for being the official wine sponsor of the Devil State of Mind podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we have another very special guest joining us on this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. He is the founder of SB Nation and the co-founder of Vox Media. He writes a weekly column for all about the jersey, the SB Nation site dedicated to your New Jersey Devils called Fan First Friday, dedicated to looking at things from the long-term fan perspective. It's also been a devil's lunatic since before the Lou Lemmerello was the Devils general manager. It is with absolute great pleasure that we welcome on Mr. Tyler Blazinski. Tyler, welcome to the Devil State of Mind podcast. First and foremost, how are you doing today, my friend?
0: Oh, I'm doing great. I was just uh, checking out the horns and tail and thinking about maybe ordering myself some Devils wine here. I am a lunatic after
1: all. Absolutely. They are, they do a tremendous job over there. The it, it's, it's really good. I highly recommend it. And you get some really cool devil steam bottles. They're, they're absolutely fantastic. So I would highly recommend you check that out.
0: Yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> I love coming into Jersey cause I actually live in California, but I always take a, an annual trip sometimes to, to New Jersey. And I actually love the, uh, the Tom's river, um, uh, Brewing Company beer that they have, uh, mm-hmm. the stick toss that they have at the game. And I heard that they're adding a new one this year as well. So I'm look forward, looking forward to trying that.
1: Well, we are certainly excited to check that out. And we are just flat out excited about our New Jersey Devils. When you look at everything that Tommy Fitz has done with this team during this offseason and the potential that this team has, you, you can't help but be excited. And it stinks because we're, we're, we're getting so much, you know, lack of – of devil's news and, and everything like that. Things are a little, a little too quiet right now. We haven't heard from Tom Fitzgerald in quite some time. And obviously we are, uh, we are very much curious to know why that is. And hopefully we get, uh, get to hear from him. Maybe he's working on some other things. We shall see. But Tyler, my first question to you is, and I like to ask this, especially when I'm talking to devil's fans is simply put, how did you become a fan of hockey and how did you become a fan of of the New Jersey Devils.
0: Well, I grew up in a, a in an area about 30 miles northeast of Boston, a small suburb there. And I was a hockey fan pretty early on. Um, our wintertime entertainment was skating on our local pond near us. Our summertime entertainment was playing street hockey. So it was, it was pretty much hockey 24-7. Um, I grew up with four brothers and they uh, really embraced hockey in the Boston area from like the Bobby Orr era. Um, -hmm. but I, I was kind of the weirdo in the family that didn't automatically just love the, the home team. I, uh, I decided that, you know, I, my fandom was more of a free agent type of thing. And I was Mm going to pick a team that I wanted to pick and I didn't want to have to be forced to root for a team. So much to my father's chagrin, I wound up, uh, at first, I was actually a Hartford Whalers fan because I loved Mike Leute. <laughs> Um I played goalie a lot um, and sort of loved his style. Loved uh, loved watching him. Um, and then, as time went on, I, I sort of uh, and Mike Liute had moved on. I I was I wound up being a Devils fan because I basically loved their uniforms. Uh, <laughs> they're. Yeah. They remind they reminded me of Christmas, the old red and green. So <laughs> like how, how, can, how, how can you not have uh good feelings about a Christmas tree uniform? So mm-hmm. I I um I love their unis at first. It was back in like the Doug Brown, Andy Brickley, um, you know, Pat Connicker days, like uh Bob Sauvey was tending net for them along with Elaine Chevrier and it was it was or back in the early days and then I really got my hooks and fell in love with them when Sean Burke came on board um, Sean Burke mm-hmm. became kind of like my new Michael Ute. Um, and that was it for me I, I I sort of just was like all right I'm devil's fan for life now um, but and I kind of covered this recently in one of my columns just because my kids are dealing with players moving on that they love like my daughter loved my daughter loved Jagor Ye- which, who, who, what Devils fan didn't? He was adorable. Right. He, had, he had a great personality. He had one of the best sellies in the league, like that kind of Statue of the Liberty look after he scored was just classic and awesome. Uh, my son first fell in love with the Devils mostly because of Ryan Graves. Um, mm. And so him moving on kind of broke him. So it's uh, it's funny, but... You know, they're learning the lessons of in order for a team to take that next step, sometimes you have to make those sacrifices Mm because Tyler Toffoli helps his team a lot. Opening up the space on the left side gives Luke Hughes all the ability to go. So it's interesting because when Sean Burke left the Devils, I was sort of at a crossroads and I'm like, oh, should I go back and be a Whalers fan? Because ironically, he was trading the Whalers. And then I was like, you know what? I, I don't want to bounce around my entire life, so I just I stayed with the Devils, thankfully, because yeah. we, you know what? We all know what happened to the Whalers, and we know what happened to the Devils. So I made I made a wise choice. So, but that that's a long roundabout way of saying that um, I picked them ultimately based on their uniforms, and I've been a Devils fan ever since. I think it was around eighty seven or so, eighty six, maybe that I mm-hmm. that I became a lifelong Devils fan. So.
1: I love to hear that. I really do because every single Devils fan that I've gotten to talk to and even some that I've interviewed like yourself, they all have unique stories about how they became a fan. And, and, I, and I think it's important for people to hear that. Uh, even people who are just starting out um, being hockey fans and trying to figure out what team works for them and things like that. And I think it's, it's great because everybody finds their own way and uh, hearing those stories is absolutely tremendous. And my other really quick question about you being a Devils fan and your history of being a Devils fan, and this might be a tough one for you, but what is if you had to pick one moment, what is your all-time favorite moment of being a New Jersey Devils fan?
0: Oh, this is actually an easy one for me. Uh, Eliash to Arnott in two thousand. You know, mm-hmm. I, I most pe- most people would say, you know, the probably that first Stanley Cup, the countdown, right. the Stanley Cup to New Jersey, all that stuff. And I, that was, that was great. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. But you know, all I heard from Ranger fans and everybody around was, Oh, it was a strike shortened season. And like, like all of those trying to minimize the accomplishment of winning in 95. So the 2000 cup almost was a sweeter win. Not Mm -hmm. only because not only because the team was like an offensive juggernaut and they had this incredible line, the A line with, Arnott, Eliash and Sakura. but I just I'll try and tell this story as quickly as possible but I happen <laughs> to be and I happened to be at a uh, hotel bar the night that uh, Arnott scored <laughs> that goal. My mm-hmm. brother was getting married the next day um, and because he lived in North Carolina. So he was getting married. I was his best man. Well, it turns out I drank way too much that night because I was nervous. (laughs) So, um, I just kept sucking down beers and next thing I knew they were scoring in double overtime and I was running, screaming through the hotel lobby with a bunch of North (laughs) Carolinians looking at me like, what the hell is going on with this guy? So it was, uh, and then the the next day, I, you know, I had bragged to my wife many times, uh, oh, and I've never had a hangover in my life. It's never 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 happened to me. That following day was the worst hangover I've ever had in my life. i I could not stop throwing up. It was just brutal. And then thank God, thank God, my brother's wedding was a nighttime wedding because right. I was able to recover in time to do the speech and all the stuff that goes along with it. So, but that was by far my favorite, mostly because i I love that a line so much and. Scott Niedermeyer is probably my all-time favorite double. Um, It's like 1A and 1B with Scott Stevens, so Jack Hughes is rapidly climbing, could potentially be there very soon, but that's kind of what it is for me right now, but that that moment was a moment I'll never forget, and a a moment that my wife likes to tell my kids about frequently, about how uh, their father bragged about never having a hangover, and then and then got brutally smacked in the face the next day for it.
1: I I think though you could definitely say that that hangover was worth it, considering the circumstances. Oh,
0: very much worth it. I was like on, despite the fact that I was in bad shape the next day. I was on cloud nine, so love it it was great.
1: Love to hear that. Love to hear that. So. But my next question to you, Tyler, is kind of shifting towards talking about, you know, obviously everybody in the sports media world knows about SB Nation. And I'm really curious to know because, you know, you, you talked about it, You are the founder. How did you come about bringing SB Nation into the world? I mean, it's one of the most well-known sports media places out there.
0: Um, I'll try and keep this as quick as possible. I know we have limited time, but basically um – I, I'm also. Uh, I guess I'm a recovering Oakland A's fan. Um, <laughs> as I told, as I told you, I I pick my teams based on largely on colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and I also love the green and gold of the Oakland A's. Yeah. Back when I was younger, I wasn't really a baseball fan per se. I was much more into hockey. But then I moved to Sacramento, California. I wound up going to an A's game.
1: I'm mm-hmm. very
0: much into the A's. Talked to one of my buddies repeatedly about it. He happened to be one of the pioneers of the blogosphere. Uh, he, he wrote a political website, and he kind of like basically tried to talk me into writing a blog um, about the A's. And so eventually I did. Uh, it became really successful very quickly. Um, I think in part because I have a journalism background. So uh, I went to school for journalism. I was a journalist when I first got out of school. I did a lot of hockey reporting, actually I interviewed a lot of big time hockey players back in the 90s. So, you know, the Pavel Bure's of the world, Paul Koreas, um, Jeremy Roenick, all those guys back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a, a, a very much a journalistic background, but I approached it as kind of like a professional fan. If there's any right. if, if there's a kind of a term for it and. I looked out at the landscape of things, and there were a lot of other people doing similar things on Blogspot, on you know, um, on, on any given number of services, whether it was Typepad or. So I started to recruit them to come in under the banner of SB Nation without really promises of any financial rewards because we didn't know if we could make it into a business. Um, and at first, we really kind of struggled to make it into a business. It wasn't. Right because, you know, to be honest with you, my background wasn't really business. My background was writing, reporting, editing, telling stories, those kinds of things. So, Mm -hmm. um, thankfully we got a lot of really high quality people in, uh, the traffic took off very quickly. We were able to sell some, you know, smaller advertising through blog ads back in the day. I don't even know if blog ads still exist, probably not, (laughs) but, um, but uh, so we were able to generate a little bit of revenue, but then we kind of became a more serious business. We needed to seek funding and then to go along. I was the CEO of the company for like the first five years of the company. Um, okay. but when, we, when we were seeking to become a, a more serious, real business, we needed somebody with more of a business background. And that was when we were seeking funding. We found somebody, a former AOL executive who, kind of took it to the next level, uh, was able to really make it into a true business as opposed to, you know, (laughs) you know, the old cliche about a guy blogging in his underwear in his mom's basement. So, um, but, but yeah, it became a business. Thanks mostly in large part to his business acumen, which was Mm -hmm. something that I, I wasn't particularly, it wasn't my strength. So, um, my strength was really helping people produce great content. So, um, it was just kind of a, uh, it worked out and kind of was like the right place at the right time. It's not really great to see where the digital space is now. Um, Mm -hmm. but I stepped away from the company in like 2015. Um, NBC universal put a bunch of money into the company and, um, and I figured it was time for me to kind of step away. I could see the way the business was going Mm -hmm. Um, and I pursued other things, including writing comic books. So like, like that was a lifelong dream of mine as well. So, um, which was great. It also allowed me to kind of be more of a full time dad. And if there's anything in this world, that's more important to me than my kids. Uh, you know, it's not really out there. It's my wife and my kids or my life and my world. And I wanted to spend as much time with them as possible because my father died when he was 47. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to um, make sure that if, if I happen to suffer a similar fate or something, I wanted to make sure that I ha- at least had a lot of time with them before, mm-hmm. uh, before something like that might happen. And that might sound fatalistic or morbid mm-hmm. or whatever, but, but I gave me an appreciation of life that I think a lot of people, cause my dad died when I was 18. So a lot of, a lot of people don't have that appreciation, but, um, mm-hmm. but that was kind of like why I stepped away. And, um, and now I'm, it's it's great because I'm able to write comic books. So I'm able to get involved in different other ventures. I'm starting to get involved with another company right now that's in the video game space. So it's it's, it's mm-hmm. fun. I'm, I, I, I it, it's given me the freedom to do a lot of things. But most importantly, it's given me the freedom to be the best father and husband I can be.
1: I think that was a really awesome story um, right there. I mean, first and foremost, you know, what you were able to, you know, build with SB Nation, I think is, you know, tremendous. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we, we I mentioned it when we first introduced you, you know, you you write uh, a little bit for All About the Jersey, which, you know, a lot of people know about All About the Jersey, which is great. Um, and, you know, your decisions and everything leading up to, you know, spending more time with your family, I think is um Is definitely you know tremendous to hear, and uh, something that obviously I'm you know striving to do the same as I get older. Uh, Still pretty young in this industry, and you know it's (laughs) it's really good that you brought up the whole thing about where the sports media world is going. I mean, you look at what um, the New York Times just did with The Athletic. You look at the cuts, the major cuts that ESPN just made not too long ago, and you can see how. You know, everything is just constantly changing. Ever since I got in this industry, it's been constantly in flux. You know, there's been, you know, it's basically everybody can be successful in a multitude of different ways in the sports media world. And I look at, you know, what I've been able to build with the devil state of my podcast and all the writing that I do and everything. It's all just kind of coming together as, you know, just trying to make it in the sports media world. And, And I'm glad you know, you brought up the, you know, how things are changing and things are changing every day. You know, right now, when you got to listening to this, something in the sports media world is changing, you know, for, you know, for whatever reason. And it's all about, um, you know, trying to adapt if you can, trying to continue to, you know, do what, what you feel is the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, keep on, you know, keep your personal integrity, because at the end of the day, that's what you got. And, uh, you know, I I commend you tremendously for, all the decisions that you made, and uh, you know you, you've you've done a, you've done a lot of really good things, and that's uh, and that's really important. So, uh, just wanted to give you that recognition.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate that. It's like the life. It's really a, a challenge to. I, I just I find it interesting that it's such a challenge to make some of these. Um, New digital media enterprises successful, successful financially because right. I don't. I, I feel like there's never been more interest in sports. Like like just just from dealing with the people on Twitter or in other social place and going out to parties and everything and talking to people, like they are just people are obsessed with sports and want to live their sports twenty four seven. It was something right. that was a was a found foundational piece of what made SB nation successful because when the off season came, that was when athletics nation kicked into high gear. Like it was like, Mm -hmm. like that's when, that's when people, the traditional media would have left it behind, but that was when people were more, more interested in it because, you know, everybody makes the assumption that you just move on to a different sport during the off season, but that's not necessarily the case. I used to have, the Oakland Athletics but i I've, I've kind of sworn off of them since their owner became the real life owner of major the major league movie like it's just, <laughs> to to me it's like i am not going to support that team anymore like they mm-hmm. they've ripped my heart out they've like kind of but it's just uh i it's shocking to me each and every day that that some great voices some great content out there that somehow like the business side of it can't seem to catch up with what the content side is producing. So.
1: And it's very, and it's obviously very frustrating. And, you know, like I mentioned before, the only thing that we can really do in this day and age is to continue to try to move forward, continue to try to figure out different things that are going to work based on what you're doing and what you are all about and uh, continuing to not give up on that dream. I know for myself, that is something that, uh, you know, I've continued to try to, have the mindset of is to continue to do better for myself and to put out the best content that I can, regardless of where I'm at and to uh, give people something that they could very much enjoy. And I like to think that I've done that now as we're approaching the f- fifth season of the Devil's State of My podcast. It's amazing how far it's come. But, you know, I think it's good to, to talk about, you know, where the industry is going, because like I said, it's changing every day. So now that we've, you know, obviously gotten a chance and the, the listeners have gotten a chance to kind of get to know you a little bit more, Tyler, I want to talk about the Devils because that's that's obviously what we're here for. We're here to talk about the yeah. team in red and black. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of things that have gone on. You look at what Tom Fitzgerald has done this offseason, re-signing Jesper Bratt long term. Resigning uh, Eric Hall, resigning Timo Meyer, you know, getting these core guys back while having guys like Damon Severson, Ryan Graves, Miles Wood, guys like that are now out the door. We're bringing in some new guys Colin Miller, you acquire Tyler Toffoli, like you mentioned, for Yegor Sharangovich in a, in a, in a uh, fifth round pick. And you look at this team and you say that this team, in many ways from top to bottom, is one of the best teams on paper in the NHL. People are saying the Devils have one of the better top sixes. Tom Fitzgerald talks about he wants to have one of the best top nines. And there's just a lot, you know, you can't look at, you You can look at everything and you can't really sit there and say that you can't help but love the job that, uh, that Fitzgerald has done. And I, and I want to get your, I want to get your uh, opinion on what he's done up until this point.
0: I absolutely love it. I mean, I love the I love the group of forwards. The Tyler Toffoli trade. While well, I love Yegor, uh, and and you know it was heartbreaking to see my daughter torn up about it. I that mm. that deal I would I would make on every day that ends in a Y. Um, it just right. like it's just to me that that was a perfect fit for this team. The the only concern I have about Toffoli obviously is he does doesn't have the foot speed really. I I don't think anymore to keep up with. The, the type of pace that Lindy wants to play at. But he's such a smart mm-hmm. hockey player. He's so good defensively. I don't worry about him finding a way to fit in and score goals with this team. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, whether he whether he plays with Jack or or Nico, you know, he's gonna he'll wind up getting plenty of opportunities. And he's the type of guy, you know, I happen to live um, not that far from LA. So I saw plenty of Tyler Toffoli when he played for the LA Kings and boy, he was, he was the type of player that you would watch and just say, damn, I wish my team would have, would have a guy like him and uh, just so good on both ends and such an affordable contract. I just like, he, he rounds out the forward group so well, in my opinion. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I love everything Tom has done. Like even, even if you're a little bit concerned about the defense, which I was a little bit concerned, just because uh, sit, you know, I know Damon Severson is a flashpoint for Devils fans, and you know some some love him, some some really don't like him at all. But um,
1: curious but, case of Damon Severson, as I always say. yeah,
0: yes, uh, he he was excellent last year. He was excellent because he was in the shelter role. He was in a third pairing um and you know i don't think anybody in the nhl on defense uh has a better long bomb path than he does so that's that was a key to a lot of rush chances for the devils last year but Mm -hmm. i do like uh so i was kind of worried you know you're gonna throw in you're gonna take graves and severson out and graves for as big as he is the guy was not physical at all um Mm -hmm. and he you know, he never met a shot that he didn't love to take. He's sort of like the anti John Marino where John Marino will never, never will always look to pass and never shoot. Um, But, but I, I like it because um, I was a little bit nervous of regression just because of those two veterans leaving. And then, you know, you throw Luke Hughes in there, you throw Simone Nemitz in there and then, you know, maybe they take a step back a little bit just because they're rookies and they're going to make mistakes. But then what does Fitz do? He goes out and he gets Colin Miller and Colin Miller to me is going to be the perfect security blanket in a third pairing in a very similar Damon Severson type of role. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think, I think Luke Hughes is gonna, uh, I watched him all through Michigan. I, I, I have a direct TV package where I could see a lot of the Michigan games and boy, that kid is just something else. Like mm-hmm. from his skating to be as big as he is, I don't know how he wound up at six foot two, but he wound up at six two compared to his much smaller brothers, but he skates like his brothers and mm-hmm. uh, he does, he does these shimmy shakes along the blue line that only players like Kale McCarr and, Adam Fox can do. Like it's just, he, he brings such an element to the team where I think you can live with whatever rookie mistakes he might make, like whatever giveaways, because he's going to be such a high end producer, but I don't think you can have two of those. Like, so that, that, that to me was my concern. And I do think the devils have been incredibly patient. Like they let Luke have two full seasons in college and it wouldn't be the worst thing to have Simone Nemitz have two full seasons in the AHL before he he really steps in. And that yeah. Colin Miller gives you the ability to be able to do that. Um yeah. so that that makes me feel better about the defense. So the four group and the defense I feel great about. Like I feel good at, you know, obviously the one X factor is injuries. The one place where I do think that this team has a major concern is goaltending. Like I right and i love, i just like yegor i love vtex personality he was uh he was funny he was adorable he, the old hibachi thing the yeah. you know the the moment where he looked like the shopkeeper from from frozen saying hello <laughs> like like you know he's he brought a lot of like positive energy like you know the interview where he was like you really like me to the entire rock audience. It was, it was great. I love that part of him. Um, But I just worry about him being able to handle a heavy load. And I do sort of think that that's why he broke down um, towards the end of the season. Like a lot of people talk about his playoff performance, but he skidded into the playoffs. It was not like he, he didn't to me, he, he struggled in like the last, I would say, I don't want to say third, but maybe like last quarter of the season. He was not as good as he was the rest of the year. So that mm-hmm. worries me a lot. Like, and if you're, you really want to win, um, you can look and say, oh, well, Colorado did it with Darcy Kemper in that and he didn't play very well. But
1: Vegas I, with Aiden Hill, you know, obviously. <laughs>
0: But I think Aiden Hill played really well. Like you cannot he look did. at his num you can't look at his numbers and say, you know. But you can look at Darcy Kemper's numbers when the when the Avs won and say, okay, that you know that they won in spite of him, not because of right. Them. Um, and and I don't think you can say that they won in spite of Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill was a cause for them to win it. So I don't. Th- they're two separate situations. So. Mm-hmm that that's the big thing for me. And I do think Schmidt is the man I do. I, I, I love his love, his technique. I love, I mean, and you know, I, I grew up loving goaltending, like goaltending is where I focus on a lot of things for me. In so um, I, I'm, I'm naturally focused on goaltending and, and I V VTech to me is a uh, way too scrambly for my liking in today's mm-hmm. game. Um, and, and, you know, when he tends to be struggling, he tends to scramble so much more, which causes a lot more of his problems. And I almost think Mm -hmm. it's almost a mental thing going into the playoffs where he's like, he puts extra pressure on himself. So he tries too hard. Um, Or he, he, you know, so, and Schmid, his calmness, his ability to have great positioning, his size, his, I think he's going to be a great NHL goalie. I'm just not sure Mm -hmm. that he's, capable of handling that load yet. Um, and that's the thing that worries me about the Devils goaltending. So if I had to obviously injuries are a big thing, you know, if you knock on wood, but if anything happens to Jack Hughes or Nico Heesher for any extended period of time, it could completely derail the season. Yeah. And the Devils got very lucky with health last year mostly until the playoffs when Dougie was hurt during the Carolina series. But you know, for the most part, they had a very healthy season. So um, yeah. hopefully hopefully that happens, and that's obviously the major concern. But I feel very, very comfortable with the team top to bottom right now outside of the goaltending.
1: And that kind of brings me to my, my second-to-last question for you because obviously, like you mentioned, you're a big goalie buff. So am I. I, talk about the, I can talk about the position for hours. And obviously, again, people look at the Devils from the outside and say – their top, you know, their, their forward group is great. The defensive core, even long-term, is, is tremendous. The one knock on them, especially when you look at how things ended up going overall in the playoffs, was the fact that both Vitek, uh, Vanacek, and Akira Schmid at one time or another, you know, did struggle. And it showed certainly in the Carolina series uh, for both guys. Um, and I'd never seen a goaltender be so hard on himself and so down and, and almost like stunned than I saw, Akir, um, I saw Vitek Vanacek after game four. I mean, I never saw a guy more devastated in his life for how bad of a performance he was. So you go into this offseason, and obviously, again, goaltending is still a question mark. And, you know, although the Devils brought in Kalugrin, um, um he's most likely going to be an AHL guy. I think the expectation is he's going to spend most of the year with the comments, while Nico Dawes continues to rehab from his uh, surgery he had, which will keep him out till at least Christmas time. And then Frank Saravalli of uh, Daily Faceoff did say that the preference for the Devils is that Akira Schmid plays in Utica next season, for the most part. I don't know if they're thinking the whole year or whatever the case may be, but to, you know, kind of on the line, lines of like you were saying, you know, potentially go down to Utica, So that brings up the question of, well, then what are the Devils going to do um, if they're going to go with a VTech again? What are they going to do in terms of having the 1A, 1B? And I know Darren Dreger said that the Devils could be looking for a veteran guy that can play 30, 35 games. Um, but obviously the rumors that have been really swirling around and it's the rumors that can can seem to just not go away is the fact that the Devils have been talking to at least one team, and that is the Winnipeg Jets about the possibility of acquiring former Vesna Trophy winner and the man who finished second in the Trophy voting this past year, and that's Connor Hellebuck. Uh, John Gibson apparently could be on the move from Anaheim, although I think his contract and, and his underlying uh, stats give me a cause for concern, and also potentially a guy like UC Soros, although it has not been confirmed at all whether Saros is available from Nashville, but it seems like Connor Hellebuck's name continuously comes up. It feels like every day there's something new with that. And it should be mentioned again, that Fitzgerald has not really spoken to the media um, since prior to the draft. Um, You look at it, you know, we went through free agency. It's been over two weeks now, and we still have not heard anything from Tom Fitzgerald. We went, we just finished up this past week, the, Development camp, nothing. So it, it kind of begs the question of: Is he working on something? Is it just that he doesn't want to talk to the media? Colin Miller, funny enough, hasn't even spoken to the media. Maybe he won't. Uh, maybe he won't until he gets to New Jersey. But going back to the goaltending, Tyler, I got, I got, I got to ask you because a lot of Devils fans have been been back and forth on this. What are your thoughts about? going after a guy like Connor Hellebuck to maybe be quote unquote, the last piece to what could be a devil's championship puzzle.
0: I love Connor Hellebuck and I, I would do what it took to get him. Um, Truthfully, um, you know, he would probably be my number one choice. I was one of the first to, to even throw his name out there. Um, And it was pretty funny because uh, with a name like hellabuck uh you know first four letters of his name are hell he he's a natural new jersey devil so um <laughs> uh i i would love to get him even on even if it was theoretically on a rental basis um just because it gives you a chance to truly see what schmid is um just because my my fear with especially modern goalies. And Kevin Woodley, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's Kevin and goal, I think, is his Twitter handle. I would highly recommend you follow him. You listen to any podcast that he's on. He's a goalie expert. and He talks about it a lot. I can listen to him talk about goaltending, like, all day long. Like, any podcast that he's on, I immediately download and listen to. And he's done a few with uh, Dmitry Filipovich, who does the PDO cast. Uh, which are just must listen to things. Um, Connor Hellebuck is an unbelievable throwback goalie in the sense that uh, so many goalies and Kevin talks about this a lot are cookie cutter these days. They are automatically go into this position if if the puck's in a certain point in the ice. The RV reverse RVH and the RVH and the butterfly they they're they're instant and automatic. It's part of what. You know, you see Jack Hughes taken advantage of when he like shoots from the corner and hits off their head and in against, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) against Charles, uh, Charlie Lindgren. Like, it's just to me, um, and, but Hellebuck in a sense is more of a throwback to Marty Brodeur type where he reads plays that happen. Um, and Mm he, he adjusts accordingly. He makes decisions accordingly, um, I think that he would be a phenomenal ad, and I, I would be very bullish because I, I saw that the devils are like ranked fourth or something in Vegas odds. Uh, other, other places are saying the devils are the favorites for the Stanley cup this year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not buying it until they, until they solve the goaltending situation. And I yeah. loved Schmid against Schmid against the Rangers, but the Rangers were also outclassed by the Devils, um, by the Devils' speed, by the Devils' um, tenacity, by a lot of different things. So Schmidt didn't necessarily have to do a lot, he made some great saves. Don't don't get me wrong, but um, you know you're going to suffer some inconsistencies with a 23 year old. It's just like that's a natural. Yeah. Helle- Hellebuck is ready for this. He's ready to win. Um, he has a lot of miles on him. So I'm not necessarily sure you want to. Sign him to a seven or an eight-year deal once you get him on board, um, especially given that he's thirty. I think he's going to be thirty-one fairly soon. Yeah, um, I, I, you know. But at at the same time, you know, maybe you get him into New Jersey. Maybe he realizes that he's a great fit for the team. They start winning. Uh, everything's copacetic. Everybody loves each other. It's a great locker room. He loves yeah. the atmosphere. And you know maybe you get him at a giant discount. Well, you know I know the number's been thrown out there at nine point five million he wants per year in, in the Vasilevsky category, but I don't know. Like I I'm I'm of the mind that and I think Tom Fitzgerald has the cojones to be able to do it. You know, like to bring him in yeah. and then sort it out later. Like uh, he just like he did with Timo Meyer. Like he got t- mm-hmm. to me, he got Timo Meyer on a massive discount. I I, I I really think that he was more of a nine point five, almost ten million dollar talent, and mm-hmm. in two years, I I think he's very capable and could possibly score fifty with this team, um, with these centers and and the mm-hmm. speed and the pace they play with. So, um, mm-hmm. I I think you you get somebody like Hellebuck, but if you can't get Hellebuck, if the asking price, because to me, I'm not sure Shovel Dayoff wants futures. It seems to me like he wants. You know, if you look at the Pierre Luc Dubois trade, he wants he wants to still be competitive now. So, like, Mm. I don't know if the Devils have pieces to offer that could make them competitive now. They can add that can add to that. So maybe it's not a perfect fit. Um, You know, a lot of a lot of people have been criticizing me because I still think John I still think there's a great goalie in John Gibson, Um, Mm. and I. And you know, I live in Anaheim, and a lot of New Jersey people are asleep when John Gibson plays his games. Um, you can just tell by body language that this guy is like <laughs> he's been through the ringer. And almost every game he goes out there, you listen to the uh, the Cam and Strick podcast that he was on. The guy just sounds like mm-hmm. you know he's he's ba- he's battling it mentally every single game. And right. you know, I don't not I'm not going to quote. Henrik Lundqvist very often on things because you know I'm not a big I'm not a big Hank fan like some Devils fans uh you know who still kind of admire the guy from afar but he he said on a TNT broadcast that 90% of goaltending is mental um and I and I firmly I've thought that for many many years I've said it for many years that it's so much the mental game which was yeah. what worries me about VTech when you when you see the way VTEC reacted to everything. So I think you get John Gibson in a different atmosphere. I think you could see the old, the John Gibson of old. Now, is it risky? Yes. Would I ask for half retained? Yes. Like, uh, I mean, because they're between a rock rock and a hard place with him. So if they're going to trade him, they're going to have to eat some. Like you're not selling John Gibson at his highest right now. That being said, Connor Hallebuck is probably my number one choice. Um, surprisingly, my number two choice is not John Gibson, but my number two choice is Karel Vamelka out of Arizona. Like i oh. i would love I would love UC Soros. I don't think they're going to trade UC Soros. I think they, I think it's I very think-
1: unlikely too because there's been no inkling that he's available to be traded anyway.
0: Like- Exactly. So I think they would ask for a mint for him. The only time that he might shake free for them is if Nashville really stumbles out of the gate. They want to give Astor off more of a chance. Maybe he shakes loose at the trade deadline this year or in the offseason with one year left in his contract. I don't think you're getting him at $5 million a year without giving them somebody like Simone Nemitz or like a huge piece in order to get him. So um, I would honestly... might. I love Karel Vemelka because he's affordable. He's two years. He, if you've ever seen him play for Arizona, you he's know. I honestly, th- I honestly don't think they got Connor. They they missed out on Connor Bedard because of Karel Vemelka. Like, <laughs> like, 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 uh, uh, and Connor Ingram is a phenomenal goalie too. So they just mm-hmm. re-signed him to a three-year deal. They also have a, a kid in in the minors um, who got a taste last year who's a very high prospect. So if you're Arizona, you to me maybe you sell Vamelka to somebody like the Devils. He could be a perfect tandem type of goalie with with VTech for the next 2 mm-hmm. years. Um, and I think he gives you a great chance to win. My only concern with Vamelka is he seemed to always be better when the Coyotes were giving up the most opportunities. Like
1: he right. like have you when, ever when st- they were forcing him to, to bail them out.
0: Yes, he. when they're getting caved in was when you saw him at his best. And maybe if it was more of an even game, he would struggle a little bit there. So that would be my major concern with him. But then, honestly, my third choice would probably be John Gibson. John Gibson. Half, retained, half retained, and I would only trade, honestly, a pick and a very low-level prospect for him um, That's just because, because of Anaheim's situation. But I right. do think you can find – a good goalie in there somewhere. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen enough John Gibson um, to me, he's got a lot in common with Hellebuck and that he doesn't always do the same thing. Like he reads the play much like Marty Brodor used to much like Dominic Kashuk used to. And I'm not saying he's in those, that class, but he's a throwback to that sense where he's not always RV aging in particular circumstances. Like he'll, you know, occasionally do the two pad stack like like where you don't see those kinds of things anymore which i love to see or stand up on a play like in a corner where where, you know i just to me i think that and i got i got a hard time from john fisher who runs all about the jersey because on another podcast about it but i'll just say um and i'm probably one of the only ones in devils twitter sphere or blogosphere or anywhere else would say I believe in John Gibson, but that would be mm-hmm. my standing if I had to pick. I would throw everything in the kitchen sink to get Connor Hellebuck. He would be my a number one choice. Um, number two would be Karel Vamelka because I think he could be had affordably, and I think he would be a great tandem. They're both Czech. Um, he Vamelka, mm-hmm. I believe, is from the same hometown that Patrick Eliash is, mm. um, and like so, Eliash knows him well. Um, I think they'd have a good, very good tandem partnership. I think they could split the games. I think it would reduce the workload, and then you could figure out the playoff time when it comes to it. And then you have Schmidt mm. and getting seasoned more in the minors, like so. Yeah. And then in the off season, you could deal one of them if you need to, and make Schmidt the the one one A one B. So, right. And he's so, extremely affordable. He was, I think, exactly the cap hit that Mackenzie Blackwood was last year.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll say this whether it's Connor Hellbuck, you know, Carly Vamelka, you know, John Gibson, Vitek Vanacek, Akira Schmid, or the second coming of Martin Verder, at the end of the day, the Devils' goaltending does have to get better. And I think, one way or the other, I think it will get better. And uh, I think overall, uh, as I've said many times before, Tom Fitzgerald is going to do what's best for the New Jersey Devils and make sure that they're going to be. Uh, in good shape and I think that we all at this point uh, trust him and I'm looking forward to seeing what this team can do um, not just for the rest of this offseason but you know getting into training camp in a couple of months and obviously getting the 2023-24 season underway. Tyler before we wrap up this episode and again thank you so much for, for coming on today we really appreciate it is this what is the one thing that the Devils fans should be most excited about going into the season. Uh, I, <laughs> the Hughes brothers.
0: That, that's the one thing. Uh, Love it. Simple as that. I I cannot. Right. You know, I, I told you earlier in the podcast. I grew up with four brothers, so we used to skate shinny on the pond. We used to like. We used to play volleyball in the backyard. We used to like. We, it was always hyper competitive. Whether it was throwing the football around, whatever it was, but there's a special connection that you have with your siblings, especially when it comes to athletics. Growing up with that person, knowing what they do and where they're going to be and where they're at before they even realize they're going to be there, is just. I am firm believer in the whole siblings playing together thing. Um, so I'm so excited to see what Luke can do. And I honestly believe that he can win the Calder trophy this year. That's how much I believe in him. I know everybody says Connor Bedard and Connor probably is definitely the favorite going in. Right. But I would say the biggest, his biggest competition this year, if things play out and he stays healthy, Luke Hugh- will be Luke Hughes.
1: Awesome. I'm, I'm so excited to see both of them play. Curious to know what, what Jack is going to do to take another step in his You know, in his rise to being one of the best players in this game, Luke Hughes, you know, definitely going to make a run for that Calder Trophy. And overall, this is going to be a really exciting season for the New Jersey Devils and, of course, their fans as well. Tyler, it it was great to have you on today and to listen to your story and get your input on everything. But before I let you go, as I do this with all of my guests, I like to roll out the red carpet and let. Uh, you tell the folks at home where they can check you out and anything you've got going on. So the floor is yours, my friend. <laughs>
0: um, So as mentioned earlier, I do a Friday column for um, all about the Jersey. It's all about the Jersey.com. Uh, it's called fan first Friday. I usually write about some random things. Like I said, this week's column was all about the grief of, of letting go of some favorite players. Um, and so, you know, Devils fans have known that all too well through the years, whether it's Niedermeyer or Parisi or whoever. Right. But, you know, it's it's interesting to watch your kids kind of learn, learn that lesson that, you know, nothing in sports is forever. So, um, but that's what I try and get. I try and do a little bit of sports with heart uh, as opposed to always being st- statistically driven or whatever. Um, so Fridays usually runs about 2 p.m. Eastern is usually what I try and schedule it for. So um, hopefully there will be some interesting goaltending news this summer for me to be writing about all year. Because awesome. like I said, I've never been more obsessed with a position in sports than I probably am with a goalie.
1: So. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for, for coming on today. We really do appreciate it. And we will definitely have you on the podcast again. But thank you so much for your time, man. It, it's 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 been awesome.
0: Thank you for having me, Neil. It's been great to be here, and uh, you really are a best friend to all Devils fans. So
1: I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, and uh, we will talk soon. All right, my friend. All right, take care, Neil. You too. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the Hockey Podcast Network. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800 327 5050 or visit gambling helpline org. In New York, call 877 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y to 467 369. In Kansas, call 1800 522 4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issu- issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50, 10 plus like required for $1 hundred percent boost eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply terms at sportsbook.com draftkings.com slash baseball terms